Welcome back to the Gen X Tonic Podcast. I'm your host, Everett Arnold Bracken. Everett was the name of my maternal grandfather, and I never got to meet him. He died when my mom was 12, um, but he went by Scott instead of Everett. And uh, so sometimes when I'm placing an order somewhere and they ask for a name, I'll say Scott because Everett's a little too hard to spell. In fact, today I went to Chick-fil-A, told him my name was Everett, and the receipt says Everty, E-V-E-R-T-Y. I have no idea how you can get that from my name, but whatever. That's why I sometimes say Scott in honor of my grandfather whom I'm named after. My other grandfather is named Arnold, and so that's why I have the middle name Arnold. And he died when I was about 14, so I got to know him a little bit. Um, And uh, in some ways I see a lot of similarities between us. He was uh, bald-headed like me. He was a little bit of a prankster. He used to eat his Roloids, Roloids, Rolades, and uh, from a little like tube, wrapped up tube, you know, and he would take the paper, wad it up in a real tight ball, and just flick it at you when he's sitting over there in his chair watching TV, and then act like nothing happened, that he wasn't involved. So. Um, I think I get a little bit of my silliness from him. Uh, but anyway, no idea why I went all into all that. Wasn't planning on it, but here we are. So this is episode seven, the last episode of season one. And this is just going to be a um, actually a continuation of the first episode. Uh, Scott and Tim McIntosh and I had such a good conversation going the first week that I was recording that I decided just uh, keep going and that we'd split it into two episodes. So this is the second part of that and we talk more about kind of why Gen X is rad, why we're such a cool, awesome, extremely successful, beautiful, um, and every other wonderful perfect word you could use for our generation it's the perfect generation as um, former president trump might say Um, so anyway we just talk a little bit more about our generation and uh, some of the people in our generation that have influenced and inspired us and some characteristics of our generation I, i think if you are gen x you'll you'll enjoy it and i think if you're not gen x it might help you understand a little bit more about who we are and um, kind of why we are the way we are and some of our differences from maybe the boomer generation or millennials. So hopefully it'll be helpful. I'm gonna take a little break after this and I have the schedule for season two ready to go. I need to line up the people that I'm gonna interview and get that scheduled and and start interviewing them. So, um, you know, I'll take a little break while I'm doing that. And uh, season two will be out before you know it. And uh, there are lots of of really cool people in the world that I want to talk to. And I think that you'll enjoy it. All right. We're going to jump right into the middle of this conversation with Tim and Scott McIntosh. I want us to talk about kind of what are the the great 
characteristics of our generation. We had great movies, uh, great music, of course, came out in the 80s and 90s. Totally different. Like, I mean, the 80s and 90s music couldn't be more different in a lot of ways. But I want us to think about, you know, kind of what are some other contributions our generation has made to the world, what we're like. Um, you know, so let's do that. So I want to read this, um, just this brief little bit from Britannica.com that describes Gen X, and then we'll, we'll riff off that. Members of Generation X or Gen Xers grew up in a time when there were more dual-income families, single-parent households, and children of divorce than when boomers were growing up. Consequently, many Gen Xers were latchkey kids spending part of the day without adult supervision, as when they got home from school while their parents were still away at work. Gen Xers were the first generation to grow up with personal computers to some extent, thus becoming tech-savvy. They also experienced shaky economic times as children and young adults in the 80s and 90s. Gen Xers are typically described as being resourceful, independent, and keen on maintaining work-life balance. They tend to be more liberal on social issues and more ethnically diverse than boomers. Gen Xers were sometimes described as slackers or whiners, particularly in the 90s, although those descriptions have been <laughs> contested. <laughs> Thanks, Britannica. <laughs> so, thoughts? Is that any of that ring true with you? I do. So, generational talk is always funny to me because it's just going to change as the generations get older. You know, like mm-hmm. if you if you ask somebody in the in two thousand what Gen X would be defined by versus now, I think it's pretty dramatically different. But Hmm. I think I think the fact that Gen X was such a a true cultural transition like the fact that you know people were raised in house houses of divorce or whatever you know yeah the the interesting thing is there was there was not the structure to handle that Hmm. because it was so rare before whereas now the structure is there it's co-parenting is normal you know living yeah. two two households is normal blended families is totally normal <clears throat> yeah. so there's a lot more like social structure to understand that whereas and i think it's similarly the fact that generation x was the kind of the bridge between pre and post internet and pre and post cell phone i think is mm-hmm. probably the most interesting defining characteristic to me like you know, socially liberal counts until you're electing people who do very unsocially liberal things. So, yeah. you know, Generation X has, has shown that there are a lot of people who are unconcerned with social liberalism. But yeah. the, I do think that the interesting thing about us is that, you know, I was born in 77 and I, I have to be one of the last people who remembers, a, you know, pre-internet like living, living yeah. normally pre-internet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's our defining characteristic for better or worse. Mm. Yeah. That's true. You know, a big one for me is that, um, it took me a long time to realize how ubiquitously idealistic boomers were. Mm. 
and before I sound like I'm like super Gen X, like, oh man, they just don't get it. I think that those ideals, and it is across the political spectrum, it manifests itself in really different ways. But I think like the boomer idealism, and I, I think the boomer idealism has had, for the most part, has while there have been good things that have come out of it, mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways it has like debilitated. There's a kind of purity drive in those ideals that has really debilitated any sort of kind of like maybe cross aisle discussion politics mm. and things like that. Mm. And I think that, um, yeah, it's hard to generalize, but I think that our generation was kind of grew up looking at the, looking at like life as it actually is lived mm-hmm. and the ideals of our parents' generation just were not, mm-hmm substantive enough to really last Mm -hmm. and so i think not being idealist and not being driven by like a purity of ideals i think is something about our generation that is to be celebrated even though i think early on we were kind of branded as like whatever, yeah. crybabies yeah. or kind of nihilistic or something like that. I want to say like, well, that's that was a lot of like super purity-driven mm. idealists, idealists mm-hmm. who were like, you know, calling that out. Mm-hmm. They were complaining about it. I mean, the that. show, the, mm-hmm. the sitcoms we were raised on still had moralities like plays at the end of them. Like almost mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. show had a, a lesson at the end of it. Like, you know, you could oh, yeah. watch a show on ABC or anything and not learn a lesson at the end of it which is like now a joke like people literally like yeah. you know tv shows make jokes about it but i'm like this this is the the content that we were raised on right mm-hmm. right i think mm-hmm. i'd like to think that we as a generation came became like hyper practical and pragmatic because of it mm-hmm. maybe maybe even a little jaded but i i don't know you know i couldn't say for sure if that's a, if that's a real thing or just something that wishful thinking on my part our family, our family show growing up, Everett mm-hmm. was family ties with Michael oh, J. Yeah. Fox. Yeah. Like between Scott and my sister and I, the, the show that gets yeah. quoted more than anything else is, <laughs> is family ties. Um, and I, I mean, I hate to say this because I, I love that. I still love that show. It's not as great as I thought <laughs> it was. So rough. <laughs> and it is so talk about bolting on kind of like, you know, a moral story at the end, every show, not every once in a while, every single show. Mm -hmm. And I even remember like back in the day when we were kids watching family ties and being like, Oh, okay. They're transitioning into kind of like, it's time. I'll check out. (laughs) I'll go to the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of check out (laughs) that being said, the way that that family actually dealt with problems, if they had just cut away the kind of yeah. like morality tale stuff at the end and had just sort of been a family and had not done the kind of like kitchen meetup when all the things are kind of resolved at the end and they had just been the kind of family that they were, mm-hmm. it would have been mm-hmm. just as effective. Mm-hmm. At, it, would have, it would have gotten their point across mm-hmm. in a more powerful way because it was a great family. Mm-hmm. It was a great mm-hmm. family. There's constant, constant, constant conflict and they're always just figuring it out. They're always figuring it out. I think I learned more about our cultural history as a nation from Family Ties than I ever learned from, from a book. Oh my gosh. Like totally, I didn't. I didn't know who Sonny and Cher were, and 
I but I knew I got you, babe, because there was a scene where Stephen and Elise Keaton saying "I got you, babe" to each other. I didn't know yeah. who the I didn't know who the Kinks yeah. were, but then Nick wanted to have the Kinks play as he walked down the aisle with Mallory when they got when they eloped. Learn that. There you go. There you go. A big one for me was um, so the parents were hippies and they had like their old hippie friend come back and they're like, they get back on the hippie train. They're like, we're going to start protesting the bomb and all this sort of stuff. And this one day, this is a great scene. Mallory, one of the, like Michael J. Fox's sisters is making English muffins in the oven and dad walks in high on his kind of like idealistic, we're going to ban the bomb or whatever. And he walks in and he sees the English muffins and he said, Mallory, how could you? She's like, what's wrong, Dad? And he said, how many times do I have to tell you no more English muffins while the British occupy Northern <laughs> Ireland? And it was so, a, I mean, that's a, that's a great, great line. Yeah. Oh, that's what a great, great bit for a sitcom. And I was yeah. too young. I was too young to really realize like, wait, what's going on in like yeah. British Ireland politics? I didn't know yeah. as much about that, but I kind of figured it out yeah. to get the joke. I mean, I didn't understand any of the politics when I was, I mean, like Alex had a picture of, like, well, he had Reagan, Reagan right? but I think he also had a, um, yeah, no, not. Was it Thatcher? Pro- probably. <laughs> I'm trying to think if, but basically he had pictures of every major conservative political thinker of his time. Yeah. I had, I did not understand the, like the correlation between sure. that and his like money hungriness and his like love of capitalism. Yeah. But mm-hmm. ironically, because I'm like, how is he different from his parents? They both clearly make a good living. <laughs> She's an architect. Yeah. He's a he's a television <laughs> producer. <laughs> and they're right. like, you right. should stop caring about money. I'm like, you guys have a nice house and a nice <laughs> life. Like, what you, what is the difference here? He just wears yeah. suits. <laughs> yeah. He had Nixon. He had some he had a bunch of Nixon jokes. I didn't I didn't understand Nixon. what the Nixon jokes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I didn't yeah, know yeah. what the jokes meant. So tell me about I want to hear about your experiences with racial tension that you sensed versus the way things are now or the way things your parents experienced it. It was very important to me that I became a person who accepted others. And I I feel like that was something our generation was more conscious of. Definitely more than the the generation before us. But I mean, you know, we were we were raised in like a kind of a de facto uh, segregated neighborhood. Like yeah. <clears throat> the, the neighborhood we grew up in fought against um, public transportation on the regular. Um, sure. Yeah. And it's, which is ironic now because that, that neighbor, that same neighborhood is probably one of the most diverse in, in Georgia. It's, yeah, um, it's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. Which is really great. It's an, it's a great place to go back now, but yeah, you know, I mean, as a kid, you, unless somebody is, is actively telling you, um, you know, yeah. racist ideology or whatever, I, f- I do feel like kids in general just kind of like mimic what, what they see and deal with what they, um, what they have in front of them. And, and for me, I just, mm-hmm. we did not have a lot of interaction with non-white people when we were, when we were very young, as we got into, yeah. into high school, there was, you know, more of a chance to have interactions. But I, I mean, it's crazy to think about how that this doesn't feel that I know that it's 30 years ago, but a friend of mine came home from his, I 
maybe his freshman or sophomore year in college and he was dating a black girl and he told his parents that they, they wanted to get married and his parents were, <clears throat> were like, there was, there was no, like, we're going to forbid this, but there was this like mm-hmm. fear that this was going to be a huge problem for them culturally. And I was like, yeah. it's 1997 mm. or 98 or whatever. I was like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, yeah. But like this was very real for them. They were like, they were like, oh, yeah. what about your your kids? And like, I've kept in touch with this person. Like, they're living obviously a really wonderful life. They have beautiful family, you know, like great life. Yeah. But like, you know, I this was a normal thing to hear. This like kind of like fear yeah. of of like what your neighbors were gonna say or whatever, which sounds really crazy to me because it felt at the time that we were living in modern society. But like. We really, and to be honest, yeah. we still aren't for for a lot of for a lot of right. this country. There's there's still a lot of this country that is not living in in the modern world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was I was talking to someone recently about how they have a child who is dating a black girl, and they haven't. I mean, they're and they're really serious. They're probably going to get engaged soon, but they're afraid to tell the grandparents. So the grandparents don't even mm-hmm. know, you know. You know, um, when I think about this question, Everett, the first person I think of is like my boyhood hero. You can ask Scott, Michael Jordan. Yeah, like yeah, I, I worshipped him, mm-hmm. but not just as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. He was so good in front of the camera. He was so good with media. Mm-hmm. And you know, we kind of look back now and we're like, oh, he, <laughs> he snowed us in a lot yeah, of ways. Right, you know? He's a right. sociopath. Um, but I had no <laughs> I mean, as far as like needing yeah. to dominate oh other people gosh, yeah. on the court and sometimes off the court. Yeah. Um, but man, I wanted to do everything like him, not just wear my shorts long or whatever, mm-hmm. and not just buy his shoes, but I wanted to kind of walk like him. I tried to chew my gum like mm-hmm. him. And I wonder, I, I'm trying to think of another black celebrity before him mm-hmm. that was um, so ubiquitous mm-hmm. in media and so esteemed, mm-hmm. you know, everyone worshipped that man, yeah. not just for what he did on the basketball court, but just for the way that he was. Yeah. It took me a little while to kind of figure out like, oh, Michael Jordan's kind of persona and experience we're not normal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just not, you know, there's right. just a, like a real gulf between him and it was, yeah, it was yeah, interesting. Cause a, he, he, I do think he purposefully, you know, either he or yeah. his people manufactured that, that persona so much so that I think, you know, that famous Barkley, Charles Barkley quote, you know, that I'm, I'm not meant yeah. to be a role model. I'm not, a that role was, model. that was directly yeah. in response to Jordan. Because everybody was like, right, Charles Barkley, right. why are you not doing what Michael Jordan does? Yeah. Which is very ironic considering who Charles Barkley is now <laughs> compared, yeah, to who, compared to who I Michael know. Jordan is now. Charles Barkley yeah, is, yeah. has dominated their, their post-playing <laughs> right. careers. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was – I mean, honestly, Tim, that, that kind of stuff is depressing to me because that's how few people we had in our lives to interact with that we could be like, hey, this is a – you know, this is a person who's not white that I could look up to. I, you, we literally had mm-hmm. the person oh, yeah. who was the most famous athlete at the time and like kind of nobody else. 
you know, like, yeah, yeah, that's perfectly um, said. Yeah. It's one of the, like, you know, people will still debate the, the merits of multiculturalism or diversity or whatever, but I'm like the not, and this is true for kids of, of all ethnic backgrounds, not having the opportunity to interact on a daily, like a boring daily basis with people who look different and act different than you is like, it is horrible for your, for your development as a person. Because you're mm-hmm. you're just going to become an adult who doesn't know how to interact with people who don't look like you or or act like you, and it's and it's a yeah. a long term thing. And it's I mean you still see the problems with it, man. Like it's it's crazy that like that like it takes it takes somebody who's like a preternaturally charismatic to be able to like let let us as as people look up to them, you know, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And part of I do think part of it is human humans are naturally just kind of like exclusive and are going to be scared of what they don't know and it's it's rare that you're going to take a risk and you know hey I'm going to you know somebody who lives across the street who I don't know you're you're probably going to not take the time to get to know them but it's a shame I wish there was more and I do think that is changing I'm sure Ev, you you've probably seen it just just being around oh, yeah. high schoolers now well, it's different it's a different story. Well, e- even my own kids who are 28 and 24, you know, they went to the same school you guys went to, um, graduated yeah, yeah. from Parkview and, you know, incredibly different experiences yeah. than you mm-hmm. both had. I mean, incredibly different. And and I saw it being a, a youth pastor and watching the school mm-hmm. change every year and the demographics. And it was mm-hmm. really, really cool. And I, I love it. I mean, I, it's, it's amazing now. This, mm-hmm. this school is very diverse, but when, uh, when my oldest Lauren was, deciding where to go to college and she would make visits to these different colleges and she would say, Oh my gosh, it's Mm -hmm. so white. I don't know if I I don't know if I Mm want to go to this school. It's just so, you know, everybody's the same. I mean, I, you know, everybody dresses the same and talks the same, looks the same. And that was actually shocking Mm -hmm. to her, you know? Mm. Um, so, you know, I think that generations after us are, are, you know, have a much better opportunity for interaction um, than we did. Um, Everett, just because it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day, this yeah. is the day that we're recording on MLK Day. Mm-hmm. One of the thing that I, one other thing when I look back on kind of like my early life, is um, the kind of really loud silence about MLK. Mm-hmm. Yes, meaning yes. he grew up. I mean, Galen and I live probably a less than a mm-hmm. half mile from MLK's birth yeah, home. Yeah. Like just as the crow flies. Yeah. He lives right across the way from us. Um, but when I look back on my early life, it's definitely it, the the silence about his legacy is so um loudly silent, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now I don't want to pretend like it wasn't silent on television. Of course, MLK was like celebrated on news shows, et cetera, et cetera. But I just think like it's as a commentary on the world that Mm -hmm. Scott and I grew up in. It was nothing was ever bad said Mm -hmm. about him, but just nothing was said about him. And the more I learn about kind of the revolution that was the civil rights movement, I'm like, how did we not hear more about (laughs) this? How did we not? It's almost like it was intentional. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I genuinely do ask that question 
about whether or not it was intentional or it was just other people kind of like us that just did not know better. And I, I would say it's some I think sort there's, of mix. there's, an, there's intention. Sure. There's like malicious intention. And then there's intention of like the overarching kind of like structure of thing. Like, the, your your teachers right. might have been interested in talking to you about MLK, but the person who chose the curriculum was maybe like, let's not right. do, let's mm. not rile people up, and like, you know, I'm I've got to get a, I've got to get elected, yeah. so I'm not trying to put in a a civil rights yeah. chapter yeah, yeah. into the the high school textbook, you know. I mean, I didn't yeah. even <laughs> I learned more about MLK from like what was the the Public Enemy song when Arizona wouldn't wouldn't pass the MLK as a, as oh, a federal yeah. holiday. I had never heard that. I only, I heard yeah. of that because of yeah. the public enemy song and I know public enemy because wow. of, I had an older brother who listened to him. Like that's, that's a oh failure. Of, that's a yes. failure of teaching um, <laughs> by itself. It's a failure of yeah. leadership on your brother's <laughs> part, man. Jeez. Yes. <laughs> no, man, I'm the one who's educating yes, him. I was true. bringing public enemy into there, his, there you go. I love it. What is, what is, um, what does Flavor Flav say? Um, oh, there's one intro to one song. He's like, I'm trying to bring the truth into your clogged up brain cells or something like that. <laughs> All right. Anything else y'all want to hit on uh, as far as characteristics of our generation? I have I have faith in the in the the newest generation, I'll say that. All of my all of my interaction. Because you know, yeah. we run a a restaurant where we we deal with a lot of young people on the regular, you know, people in their early twenties, Yeah, man, they're, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if it's just the ones that I'm interacting with, but they have it in a way that like me as a 22 year old did not have it. Like just the, mm-hmm. the vocabulary of kind of like understanding complex situations, willingness to mm-hmm. say something if they see that something is wrong, you know, willingness to mm-hmm. kind of like actually decide on something and stick to it, you know, ethically, mm-hmm. morally. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that with, with your kids, but I've, it's, it's very yeah, exciting. No, definitely. And I, I think that the three of us and our generation should take a little bit of credit I will. for that. I'll take it. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I think that yeah, I we, will too. you know, I mean, tell I your think kids that, that, tell your kids you're welcome. Yeah. I mean, exactly. your kids, your Absolutely. kids formative years, Sorry. I was there, you know, I was on the, on the ground right. teaching, you, were. you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 You're like, let's Modeling talk about teaching. MLK. <laughs> they were playing with blocks and I was like, listen, <laughs> your parents are going to say some, talk about some nonsense. Capitalism. I want you to push back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do this then uh, to finish up. Let's talk about uh, a person, a Gen X leader, personality, uh, whatever, someone from that generation, our generation, who has had an influence on you or inspired you in some way. And so I'm going to go first. I'm going to begin to describe this person. You try to guess who it is. Yes. Who? Okay. I will say this. He's from Vancouver, Canada. Ooh. Yeah. He was born on October 23rd, 1976. Ooh. Yep. He is an actor, but he does other things. Okay. Um, he made his film debut. Actually, I'm not going to say this one because Scott will get it. I have an idea. <laughs> Do you, you already have I, an idea? I, I, 
<laughs> it's either uh, it's either going to be right or you're going to be insulted. I can't wait. <laughs> you, if yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, he's known for his quick wit, sense of humor. Oh yeah, I got he's, it. He's he's active on social media, often shares funny and re- relatable content with his wife and about his wife. Um, they uh, they go back and forth on uh, social media, which is very entertaining for the rest of us. Uh, he's been nominated for and won several awards with his work in film. Um, he wrote and directed a Marvel superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Man, who is this? Just, His, just you know who it yeah, is. Yeah, just Scott? tell me when you want me to say it. <laughs> <laughs> he is co-over, co-owner of a gin company. So this is one of the reasons I chose him because gin X tonic. Oh, oh okay. Um, he is the founder, co-founder of Maximum Effort, a production company that focuses on creating original content. He also recently purchased a soccer team in Wales with another actor, and they're they've done like a kind of a documentary on their experiences with it. It's amazing. It's very good. Scott, who am I talking about? It's Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Oh man, I like him. I love Ryan Reynolds. I like him. He is so funny. He's very talented. Um, has a his wife is you know she's okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is mine. I think he's influenced me because I I enjoy creativity. I enjoy imagination. I loved the Deadpool movie. That's what I was talking about, Tim. Um, You're a big Van Wilder guy. Van Wilder. There you go. <laughs> That was his uh, film debut. Um, that was his anyway. first movie, really. Yep, it's really funny. And he he was in a um, he was in some uh, a TV show, a mm. couple TV shows before he did that. Um, but that was his first movie. Anyway, that's my guy. That's all I want to say about it. Uh, Scott, let's hear yours. Tim, did you come up with one? Do you want to? I do. I do. All right. I have one, but here, you go first. Well, you go because mine mine will be better okay. as a as a hammer. Okay. Okay. All okay. Right. Um, Alexi Navalny. Oh man, you guys are so what? predictable. This is so good. Jeez. Van. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds and Alexi Navalny. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I watched this documentary just called Navalny. Creatively enough, and I was like, Oh my gosh, Alexi this Navalny. Is my guy. Is the big? He's the protester against Vladimir Putin. Um, he's got to be the most socially, excuse me, the most social media savvy guy in Russia. He's, he's so savvy. He knows how to work it he all. He is still alive too, right? We're still. He's still with us. He, I think so. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about him in the last six months or so, which always makes yeah. me wonder. After he was poisoned, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Surely by the Kremlin, oh, yeah. man needs to stay out of hotels. Careful what you say, though. I know. Yeah, I know. Um, he he also, uh, by the way, is very close in age to Ryan Reynolds. I think it's funny <laughs> that you and I both that chose I think younger. That's part people. of the reason for mm. his greatness. Yeah. Inspired. Yep. Seventy six, a good year for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Scott, who you got? Man? I have nobody because we have no heroes. <laughs> no, man, no man is my hero. 
Okay, how I we, love it. I call no man father. How we not learned this yet. It's just been an endless, endless parade of people disappointing us. Why are we? Why are we building statues to people? This is silly. Let's let's build statues I, to concepts. You know, ever you got somebody else? I mean, well, no. I mean, Scott, you don't have anybody. Kanye, I really don't. I've like this is. I think it's ironic that we each chose the perfect person for us. Cause I'm such a, yeah. I'm such a, like a, a know-it-all, you know, that like, I can't <laughs> like everybody's yeah, got warts. Yeah. Everybody's got yeah. dirt under their fingernails. Well, I, I feel Can like, I be my own. I feel, yeah, absolutely. Can I just choose myself? I feel like my, my whole adult <laughs> life has just been over and over again. Like, like stop putting your, your trust in people because people mm-hmm. are, they're just going to fail you in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Put your faith in like the idea of what you want, you know, like mm. I, there, there are things about people like Ryan Reynolds, you know, I really liked him yeah. in uh, I think it was called best friends or no, just friends is a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Most of his career, he really annoys me, but like if I could just put my faith <laughs> in just friends as yeah. a concept yeah. then I'm totally into it. Um, Have you seen Wrexham, the the documentary about? No, the I haven't. I, okay, I think you should it check called? it out. It's called Wrexham. Wrexham. The person I'm the person W-R-E-X. I'm married to is, the person I'm married to is uh, is out on Ryan Reynolds, so I would have to do it on my own time. <sighs> um, so I think what I've done as I've gotten older is like I just I keep seeing people's shortcomings, but I I've tried to stop being upset about it. My big brother, my big brother, my big brother's a pretty good hero. If you're going to, if you're, you're going to settle. Yes. He's a pretty good one. That's yeah. the, you know what? That's <laughs> yeah. true. That's a good point. That, that was a sweet no disappointments. Well, guys, that was, that was super fun, man. It's good to see you guys. That was day. really yeah. fun. Hey, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys. Bye later. guys. All right. Thanks Bye. everybody. Bye Scotty. Bye.